Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Ingenuity Amplified, presented by Context Air. It's hosted by Gabe Batstone from Context Air. And the show is basically all about conversations with the very interesting people that Gabe encounters in his business journeys, good people in important positions who care about other people. And the hope is when the show is over, you'll have picked up something new for the show that might cause you to do something differently today. I'm Steve Warren, your humble producer and co-host. How are you today, Gabe? I'm doing great, Steve. Always great to talk to you. And we're we're a bit overdue for one of these. So I'm happy to get it going. Yes. Anything to add to my rambling description of the show there, by the way? I think I think you've nailed it. You know, I'm very fortunate uh, to be able to meet so many smart people as I go around. And as I said to you, you know, in the, those early days when this was just an idea is like people should know some of these people. You know, they should know a Scotty Greenwood. They should know, you know, a Peter Williams and some of the other folks that we've had on there. You just meet interesting people who are having a meaningful impact, I say, on the world and on other people's lives that you don't even know exist. And so I want to share some of that good fortune with uh, with our listeners. Very good. And let's bring on Scotty Greenwood. She is our guest today. She's the CEO of the Canadian American Business Council, whose members are like Fortune 500 companies like Amazon, Google, Coca-Cola, Pfizer, to name a few. And she's a context air. Yeah, context air. <laughs> context air. Thank you. I should have put that at the start in capital, bold font. Uh, she's a former American diplomat to Canada and a frequent media commentator. And we are really looking forward to our conversation with her today. So how are you today, Scotty? I'm great, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. And I should add, because Gabe Batstone is on the board of the Canadian American Business Council, this appearance was not optional for me. Uh, <laughs> we like to, we like to uh, show up for command performances for our board, but I will also um, return the favor and hope that you guys will join our podcast, which is called Canusa Street, like C-A-N-U-S-A Street. So we'll figure out someday in the future. I feel like, I, I mean, I feel like that's the thing. This is quite modern, right? You meet somebody, probably Gabe is on the plane to New York, you know, all the time. And God forbid you're the person sitting next to him uh, on the plane, because before the end of the journey, you're going to agree to come on this podcast, right, Gabe? That's pretty much how it works. Yeah, it's pretty simple. And, uh, you know, I might be on the board, Scotty, but I'm pretty sure I felt like your employee for that whole time in a good way. You're a a very benevolent dictator, I would say. (laughs) I'll debate you on that, but that's okay. Out of the gate, I'm curious about the name Scotty. And uh, is that a nickname? Tell us a little bit about that for starters. Yeah, I mean, the fact that my parents had hoped for a boy, um, I was when I was born, no. Um, so, so Mary Scott uh, is my full name. And because I was born in North Carolina, I don't know how many people you know from North Carolina, but it's Mary Elizabeth, Mary Louise, Mary Suzanne, so Mary Scott. But uh, my brothers quickly uh, dispensed with the Mary, and I've been Scotty my whole life. Sounds good. All right, let's jump in. Tell us, first of all, about what the CABC is all about. It's the Canadian American Business Council. Maybe we can start by talking about some of the the roles it has, some of the goals it has. Well, that's right, Steve. We've been around, or the Canadian American Business Council has been around for 36 years now. Uh, I've been involved with it for the last 22, and uh, Gabe's been involved for almost that whole time. It only feels like 100 years, Gabe, but uh, the, the Canadian American Business Council is nonpartisan, uh, bilateral nonprofit, and we really see ourselves as a champion for the Canada-U.S. relationship. And and you know what we work on is trying to make sure that rather than competing against each other or finding fault with each other or any of those things, that Canada and the United States really confront the world's greatest challenges together. You know, we think uh, 
and believe that we do better together. And, and so how do we do that? We convene dialogues uh, with policymakers and business leaders. Uh, we, ha- we introduce people to each other. You know, I got in, in, introduced to Gabe and to contact Sarah through one of our one of our board members who was with Lockheed Martin. And Gabe had another company at the time that was in the defense supply chain in Canada, United States, doing really important work. And we at the council said, you know, we've got wonderful big name companies, brands that everybody's heard of, UPS, you name some of them, UPS, Walmart, uh, ExxonMobil, you know, TD Bank, iconic brands uh, from both sides of the Canada-US board, but we were lacking entrepreneurs. We were lacking small businesses, which, as as you know, account for most of the economy. Uh, And so we put the challenge out there to our board members and said, who do you know? Who's in your supply chain? Who do you work with that you admire uh, that you couldn't live without? And sure enough, uh, Gabe Bapstone uh, came highly recommended from Lockheed Martin, and we've really never looked back. So uh, that's kind of who we are and what we do. We're both sides of the border. I live just outside of Washington, D.C., uh, but I'm back and forth to Canada all the time. C- Gabe lives north of the border somewhere way up there and is back and forth to, to Washington and New York and other places. So we go back and forth. Uh, now that the border is reopened and it's possible to do so, uh, we, we go back and forth quite a lot. Yeah, and I mean, from my perspective, one of the, the real draws, right, as a small business, you only have so much time, right? You're a startup company. You're trying to to allocate your time. So, you know, people, I remember when it first started, I was like, well, why would you apply your time to kind of a bipartisan bilateral group that cares about this, you know, national relationship between these two countries, you build your company. Uh, and to me, it came down to the people, right? And it started with, with Scotty. And as anyone who's met or known, you like you immediately, there's a presence and a draw and an energy that you just say, Hey, there's a smart person that I, I want in my network. And, and then when you see the way that the organization applies itself to practical problems, like solving actual problems that do impact small and large businesses, crossing the border matters, right? You know, data uh, privacy issues matter, you know, AI in our world and, and the way that data flows matters. And those are things that the CBC gets in there. And it's not what I would call that traditional lobby group that that often sometimes um, we're going to get results through whining, right? Like, so we're going to whine about this side and we're going to whine about that side and then maybe something will happen. But if not, we get to grieve you know, that we're not happy. It's actually very action oriented. Like, how can we do regulatory cooperation? And then if we do it, how can we support the people who do regulatory cooperation so they do a better job? Right. And how do we help them communicate it? Like, it's very action oriented group. And so that would drew me. Entrepreneurs are action oriented, I think, by nature. Right. And it's like, oh, here's a group that's doing stuff. So that was the first draw is this isn't your everyday nonprofit organization in the in the Washington landscape. The second part was the Washington landscape is very often there's lots of Canadians who are interested in the U S relationship, right. For obvious reasons, right. It's our big brother. It's, you know, everything's bigger uh, and, and lots of things are better. Uh, we have better stuff too, but you know um, but there was less where you actually have Americans who care about Canada. And that's the CBC has both sides of the board, right. We have equal, we have a lot of equality in that organization. I think that you can be proud of kind of just as many Americans as Canadian organizations, just as many women on the board as there are men. And what I love most about that, none of that was done through quotas, or through some master plan to look like we're equal actually just happened naturally, right? You just curate good people and good companies. Uh, and so that good company that you get when you go there kind of provides the personal satisfaction as well. I'm, you know, some of the smartest people I've met have been through CBC, including Scotty herself. So it's been a, a really valuable relationship. And, and those who know me know, I don't spend a lot of time on associations and organizations. Very, we're very selective. There's two, 
actually that I spend any meaningful amount of time with now. It's the CABC and the World Economic Forum. That's it. You know, and so, you know, and I put those in, in the same class, frankly. Thanks for the paid political advertisement, my friend. Wow. <laughs> what, what a wonderful ringing endorsement. I mean, look, we we really do um, seek to solve problems. Um, we want to be relevant. We're pretty small. Um we're not we're not a giant chamber of commerce. Uh, we're we're small but nimble, and I think uh, I think one of the things that differentiates us is our members really are able to talk directly to policymakers. Uh, you know, we have congressional roundtables. We've got one coming up just next week in the Capitol, uh, but a couple of weeks ago we had members of Parliament who were in Washington. So we and and we put together you know in a room, no media. Uh, no, you know, no outside ears. And we sit, we sit down and we try to hash through actual real challenges that uh, businesses and families and farmers and ranchers and all face. And the policymakers that we interact with uh, want to hear it and they want to help. And sometimes um, lo and behold, they actually do. Uh, We've solved, we've actually solved a few problems along the way, not everything. Um, And some things take a while, Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's it's people like Gabe uh, and his colleagues on the board that really lean in to figuring out how to help government um, help the economy. So that's that's where we are. We're storytellers and advocates, and um, you know it seems to work pretty well. I think you nailed it there, guys. It's the storytelling, right? Is that really, you know, when you talk about convening and, and those events, you know, the, the way I translate that into my head is it we CABC enables meaningful conversations between people who make decisions and who those decisions impact to, to talk to each other. And, and humans remember stories, right? Like, you know, it's that, that old saying, right? Once you've told a person a story, they can never, you can never untell it, right? Like they know that story. And so getting business people to be able to tell that story of the, you know, Lockheed Martin maintenance team who had to go to, you know, one side of the border or the other to go solve this problem and couldn't get across, right? They're going to remember that when they're thinking about how do we deal with the border or, you know, this issue or the data issue of like, oh, by the way, if he didn't do this, it has this impact. And, and I think a lot of it, the value uh, is avoiding unintended consequences, right? You know, helping people understand maybe things that they wouldn't see because they, you know, they sit in a different area, right? You know, politicians aren't business people and business people aren't bureaucrats and bureaucrats aren't politicians. And we all, you know, where you stand often depends on where you sit is one of my favorite quotes, right? So we all have those places we sit, but be able to sit at a table where you can at least experience some of the stories and have that better understanding, I think is so important. Um, and you have to be willing. And I think that's what I see out of the board of CBC. You have to be willing. This is isn't a quid pro quo environment. This isn't a just lobby for your company or your specific thing. It's just a, if you do good things, right? If you share good stories and if you just contribute to the world being a better place, that will be good for you at some point in the future, right? Like just create a landscape, create an environment where good things can happen. And you'll be one of the many benefactors of that. And, and I think all the people involved with CBC commit to that as opposed to like, well, if I lobby hard for six months, we'll get this particular bill approved. And that's going to have, you know, that's not the transactional way that CBC operates, right? We really operate at that at a higher level, I think. Yeah, I think that's right, Gabe. And, you know, just to be really specific about it, um, to the extent that there's goodwill between Canada and the United States, uh, that helps everyone prosper. 
And so, you know, governments get grumpy with each other or they forget each other or they, you know, there are all sorts of different scenarios. And so one of the things we try to do is set the table for goodwill. So uh, in 2016, um, I was thinking about, wow, Canada is going to have its 150th, uh, you know, celebration uh, next year. And what can we as an organization do? And, And the other thing we were thinking about is there was a presidential campaign going on. One of the major candidates who ultimately ended up winning had a very isolationist nationalist to heck with everybody else America first agenda and so part of as an organization we were thinking about how do we use occasions like the 150th birthday to remind Americans um, and Canadians about how special this Canada US relationship really is in the world and how unique it is in the world when you think about global neighborhoods uh we have, a, a, we're both quite fortunate, both Canada and the United States are fortunate in our neighbors and in our lack of neighbors, right? It's a good neighborhood. Anyway, but we thought, how do we call attention to that and remind people so they don't take it for granted? So we ended up working for an entire year on a book um, of speeches and toasts and tributes between presidents and prime ministers for 150 years, and also rarely seen photographs. Um, and the book is called With Faith and Goodwill. It's a, it's part of a quote from Winston Churchill, who was talking about the Canada-U.S. relationship being one of those relationships that's guarded only by neighborly obligations and faith and goodwill, as opposed to armies and missiles and all of that. Anyway, so we, we produced this book. We gave it away to lots of policymakers and influencers, both sides of the border. It was very well received. We promoted it at presidential libraries with presidents and prime ministers. So we started with uh, in Dallas at the Bush Library with President Bush, uh, 43, and Prime Minister Harper. Then we went to Atlanta and had President Carter uh, and Prime Minister Joe Clark. And then we went to Montreal for this giant event with Jean Chrétien and Bill Clinton, my former boss, and and. Uh, and we wrapped up in Toronto uh, at the Chapters Bookstore with Scott Reed, who's one of the editors, uh, interviewing his former boss, Paul Martin. So anyway, all of this to say, we thought it was important to remind everybody about the history of the relationship and how special it is. And we didn't want it to end. You know, the book ends with Trump has just been elected. Trudeau has just had his first meeting with him. And we say sort of despite all the rhetoric you know, we think we think they're going to be okay. you know, and then we have the next of a lot of tribulation, uh, a lot of name calling, but also a negotiation of one of the most important trade agreements on the face of the earth. And we were involved in that negotiation and we give credit to everybody who was part of it. And and so we actually just this year uh, updated the book uh, and it's it's not out publicly yet, but the board, the board will get it, Gabe, in the next week or two, and then it, and then it'll be out. Um, and it's, we update the Trump years, the Trump Trudeau years, the renegotiation of the North American Free Trade Agreement, but then bringing in the new administration. So Biden and Harris and the blueprint for Canada-U.S. relations. And what does all of that mean? And what does it mean for, for our two countries? And so anyway, that's, kind of long-winded Steve, sorry for that that big windup, but that's that's the kind of thing we do sometimes too, which is when we think there is a big question to be answered, like why should we appreciate each other in the context of history, uh, we, we'll come up with a project or a, an excuse to either get together, publish a book, launch a podcast, something, you know, to contribute. Not to derail things, but what was Bill Clinton like to work for? Uh, it was the privilege of a lifetime to work for uh, President Clinton, you know, I, I worked in politics before I worked in government, but 
uh, during the Clinton administration, a good friend of mine, uh, a guy named Gordon Giffen, who was a, a lawyer minding his own business in Atlanta, Georgia. He happened to have grown up in Canada and he was really close to Bill Clinton. Uh, and we were involved in, in the campaigns. And Clinton remembers everything he's ever heard or read. Actually, he has a phenomenal memory. And so he knew that Gordon grew up in Canada. And so when Clinton was reelected, Jim Blanchard, who was the governor of Michigan, was Clinton's first ambassador. Fabulous. Did a fabulous job. Wonderful guy. And then after the reelect, Clinton needed an ambassador. And he remembered Gordon grew up there. And so he asked Gordon to be his ambassador. And Gordon uh, jumped at the opportunity. And then uh, they asked me if I would go up and be the chief of staff at the U.S. Embassy in Ottawa. And so I got to work with Giffen, who is a really phenomenal mentor. And I got to work for and represent the president of the United States during a big time in our economy. I mean, I'll, I'll take the Clinton prosperity of the 90s, especially today. Uh, all day long. So it, it was phenomenal uh, to be a to be a, a White House appointee. And, and I've, uh, you know, I've I've made friends with everybody in every administration since then, um, in, including in the Trump administration. There are, you know, uh, there are people who served our country uh, in, in very difficult circumstances with a kind of an unpredictable boss. Um, so so anyway, so we try hard to overcome our partisan differences and just work together in Canada U.S. relations. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun working for Bill Clinton. I thought actually, um, I used to say he was, I worked in the first Clinton administration thinking that Hillary would have been the second Clinton administration, but uh, we know how that ended up. So. Well, it's funny, you know, it's one of the takeaways I've had, you know, in CABC, you've been fortunate enough to kind of be in those events where you meet some of those, those people. And, and what, uh, what strikes me is whether, you know, whether it's president Bush or president Clinton um, in each case, you just walk away going, yeah, I understand how they got elected. No, regardless of whether you're right or left, they're very compelling features and, and, and so much deeper than maybe the narrative that you would have seen of them before. Or some of the caricatures that come out, you know, you know, W in particular, right? Like what an engaging, funny, like, He's just a guy you're like, man, I would love to go have a beer with you. And you, you, and most, and I think most people would think that, right. You know, if they met him, but we all have these kind of preconceived notions, but a question I thought of there that I never asked you, because I just think when I think us Canada, I think Scotty, but I was like, what did you think of Ken before you got appointed, you know, before Gordon said, yeah. Hey, why don't you head North of the border? What was, did you have any, was it just like, Hey, this is a great gig, obviously um, let's go see the polar bears. Or did you have any, you know, what were your thoughts of Canada before coming? Okay, so approximately one million years ago, uh, <laughs> before I lived in Canada, um, I thought it was a good place for a beer run. You know, I went to the University of Vermont, and uh, the the biggest city we oriented towards was Montreal. Um, and the beer is, as you know, the beer is better in Canada. So that's what I that was my first thought about it. I also um, like not to get into too much ancient nerdy history game, but. Uh, I was in the high school band. I played trombone and there was a big uh, a music festival in Montreal one summer, like my junior year. And we went up, uh, we all went up on the buses, school buses, long bus ride. We stayed at McGill in the dorms and I ended up making um, good friends. And one of them I'm still friends with. He's a Mountie. Art Babin is his name. He and his wife live in Kamloops, British Columbia. And uh, so, so everything I knew about Canada prior to being posted there was either um, from that band trip th through our friend Art or um, on a beer run. And that was it. And, you know, actually the State Department 
briefs the ambassadors before they go to post. So you go to diplomatic charm school and then you get all sorts of substantive briefings and really smart people um, tell you everything you need to know. They don't, however, brief the chief of staff to the ambassador. So my sister bought me a tour book and on the plane on the way to Ottawa, I read the tour book and then I got picked up by one of the guys in the motor pool and he gave me the best briefing on Canada uh, even that I've ever maybe had. I said, okay, I've read the tour book. I realized that I'm in the capital, but what else do I need to know? And he talked about regional differences. He talked about um, how the, the balance of power is really between the feds and the provinces. Unlike, you know, it's not like the white house and the house and Senate here, it's, it's federal provincial. And, you know, a- anyway, so that's, I, I didn't know anything really before I came and, and now I don't know anything else. That's so funny. And, you know, I'm still surprised, you know, particularly in both sides. in America, I suppose it's slightly easier to understand that maybe you don't have a, an acute knowledge of, of the Canadian border and the Canadian economy and those things. But I do find it surprising how many Canadians don't understand the enormity of the, the relationship, the, in particular, the economic relationship, right? You know, we kind of have that, you know, the big brother and, and they're always bugging us and we don't like this about America and we don't like that. And yet, you know, our economy, right? Billions of dollars a day, right? You know, hundreds of billions, I believe a day, right? Cross that border. Like the interdependence of our economies, you know, is, is striking. It's a good thing, but I think sometimes gets lost in the, in the shuffle, you know, in many States, you know, and it's not a one-way dependence. There are many States who are very dependent on Canada for their economies. And, and so it, it's, uh, I guess we take it for granted sometimes. And that's why CBC and, and I think uh, others are important is some just don't know and, and others take it for granted, but you would think in some ways, Hey, why do you have to trumpet this thing? That's so obvious, the largest undefended border and all that, and, but it needs trumpeting. It needs trumpeting. And, and you're right, Gabe. And you, you know, the advice that I give unsolicited, mind you, <laughs> most of the time, but the advice that I give to Canadian policymakers when they come to Washington, which is all the time, is resist the urge to lead off your meeting with your American counterpart with your list of complaints. Like you can get to the list of complaints, but I can't tell you how many, and this is not directed at any one, you know, uh, elected official, because it's been true in my experience for the last 20 years, Canadians, uh, policymakers are coming down to the United States and they say, we really need to be tough with the Americans and let them know that we really disagree with X or Y. And my answer to that is, yeah, you do. Sure. But why don't you start the conversation with all of the good things? You know, it's the say something nice about your sister strategy that our parents used to tell us at dinner. Right. But it's And the reason for that is you've got to lay a predicate for uh, to help remind Americans and and I would say the same thing to Americans north, you know, as they go north. But but you've got to lay the predicate and remind people how essential we are to each other, Um, because everybody doesn't until you lay it out there. Don't necessarily realize it. And um, so so anyway, it's it's amazing. Canadians are the most polite people in the world unless you're an American. Every guest that Gabe brings on, he builds as someone interesting, a fantastic problem solver. And then there's me. No, no, no. I wasn't going to make you the exception. I was going to make you the rule because uh, the the thing he's always most excited about is that our guests are those things while still caring deeply about people in the context of business. Maybe a word from you on why it's so important that you come at things from that perspective. From the human perspective. Yeah. I mean, look, it's... At the end of the day, policy decisions are made by people. 
right? It's not just, and, and so, you know, cultivating real relationships that are um, trusted relationships is a, is a key part of helping policymakers and business leaders make good judgments, right? Because like, look, here's the thing. People get information in lots of different ways now and they don't trust it, right? They don't know who to trust. Um, information is so disaggregated that, that where do we figure out what's real, what's true, what's important? It's typically from human beings that we trust. It's, it's less and less from, I read this somewhere, you know, as, as important as our sources of information are, they're not common to everyone. So Gabe probably reads the Harvard Business Review. Um, and somebody else might read Wired magazine and somebody else reads a blog post. Um, and so, but, and that's true of policymakers, business leaders and everything. So, so, you know, sorting through information, figuring out what is important, um, how to weigh and balance pros and cons of things that gets done in my opinion, the best through interacting with people. And actually like breaking bread. It's something that we've missed over the last couple of years. Zoom connections are great. And everybody has a podcast now, as, as we see from this one and from ours. But uh, that, that, that is important, but it only goes so far. And so I think, um, I think building personal relationships is important. It's something I admire about Gabe. You know, he, uh, when I need advice, when I need professional advice, and, and I think we've done this for each other over the years, I'll say, hey, can you meet, you know, for coffee? Uh, in Ottawa, and we'll, he, he will do that. And, and that's a gift, you know, giving somebody an hour uh, of your day, that's, that's an hour he'll never get back of giving me guidance uh, over the years when I needed it. And, and, and I think, uh, but I think that's what makes, uh, makes Gabe really special. I think that's part of the reason his company is so successful. And it's part of the magic of the Canadian American Business Council. You know, I, at, right after recording this with you guys, I'm headed up to the train station. I'm going to hop on the Acela and go to New York. We're going to have an in-person meeting um, with our board members. And it's, we haven't done that in a couple of years. And some of our board members haven't even met each other. And uh, so it's going to be priceless. And I'll just say I, it's priceless in so many ways, but it's also we're being hosted by MasterCard and, you know, they're all about the priceless experience. So get my little plug in there for the chair of our board. Nice. Well played. Well, played. thank you. Thank you. That is, that is awesome. And it's, you know, I always say um, travel is a proxy for trust or, or enabler of trust, right? You know, you, you, when you meet someone, there's, a, there's something different there. And, and certainly, you know, I've learned a few things. I could probably travel less than I did, uh, you know, in the past, but that you, you still need to travel. You need to meet with people to tell those stories, right. And, and to have that connection, I think is so important. So I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, I'm currently transfixed by something that isn't necessarily bipartisan or, or between the, the countries. Actually, it's definitely bipartisan, uh, um, definitely partisan. But I have been transfixed by kind of the January 6th, you know, um, you know, process. And uh, I'd just be curious. Obviously, it's a it's a deep, deep issue. Um, but I, I've been surprised and I watched it in real time. But I thought these hearings are, are quite interesting. And it's um, I'd just be interesting your perspective. It's like it, it truly, uh, I think, was an important moment in history, you know, that that's evolving as to, as to how we reacted. And, and whether you see the outcome, because we have a, a President Biden, you know, so is the outcome, uh, was that sh the strength of the American democracy showed, right? Because we're having hearings and, and the right person is in the, the seat based on the number of votes counted, or uh, or is there something wrong? Yeah, heavy, heavy topic. Um, and the hearings, the congressional hearings are happening again this week as we record this. 
Um, so go, go to answer that or to address that, Gabe, go back to the day itself. Um, on January 6th, uh, it's, for me, it's a little bit like 9-11. I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was doing. I know exactly how I felt about what was unfolding, even though it was confusing at the time. So first thing is, it was a rally. It was a pro-Trump rally in the beginning. I'm not, sh- you know, we now know that some of the people were plotting the overthrow of the government, but some people were just trying to rally for Trump, right? And they weren't, and I know some Canadians that made the pilgrimage, came down during COVID uh, to be in Washington, to be part of it. Now, they, I don't think they wanted to overthrow the government. I think they were just trying to show support um, for a political point of view. And interestingly, just a little sidebar, the Canadians that I know that were here, the day after everything happened, I checked in and I said, are you okay? You know, all of that. And they said, yeah, we actually went back. We purchased some uh, giant industrial garbage bags and we're picking up the litter because we're appalled at the way uh, the place was trash. And I thought, well, that's Canadian love for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, you had to watch the day all the way through. So you watched the violence unfold. It was horrifying. Uh, it was upsetting, all of that. But if you kept the TV on until three in the morning or something, um, what you saw was the vote. So, so what the rally was about and what the violence was about was to stop the certification of the count of the presidential vote, right? And but if you if you watched it all the way to the end, three in the morning or, or whatever, late late, you know, in the wee hours, the certification happened. It happened in a bipartisan way. Vice President Pence was part of it, and so our democracy and our systems and our institutions were were tested, were overwhelmed, but in the at the end worked. Um, and so that made me feel a little bit better. Um, and but now we have to think about what does it all mean? And so we just got back from the summit summit of the Americas where uh, the U.S. decided not to invite certain countries because they they're not democ- they're not democracies. Right. They don't, quote unquote, share our values. And a number of the delegations said, well, like democracy is being tested pretty hard in the United States right now. Um, And I think the answer to that is, yes, democracy is being tested here, but we're having conversations about it. We're having congressional hearings. We're having debates at the dinner table and online and in person and all of that. And to me, that's that's really what it's all about. We're in a pivotal moment. Um, but I think, I think we're going to be okay in, in actual dictatorships, which we have to remind ourselves there are, uh, in many places in the world, including right here in the Americas, you don't get to have the debate. You go to jail if you dare say anything about the government and that's real. And, and here in Canada, the United States, we forget that sometimes that, uh, that we can say anything we want. We can really dislike our leaders. We can make political cartoons that really make fun of them. And it doesn't typically cause anyone to go to jail or lose their life. So we are different here and we need to treasure that. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, the fact that we even talk about it and, and that new new heroes emerge. You know, our son, you know, Jack, right, knows the name Liz Cheney, you know, as a result of this process, right? Like that's a name he knows because we talk about it and talk about, you know, how impressive she's been and and the role model she is. And and so I think it's a teachable moment for people, you know, around the world and, and certainly on both sides of the border. Um, because you have these illustrations of what of what it takes to be democratic. It's actually not, you don't just mail it in. Like being a democracy and being a functioning citizen 
and in a democracy actually requires you to act certainly. Uh, and I think we're seeing that. And, and so, you know, I try to take that positive away um, while being slightly horrified um, you know, at, <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Well, speaking of being slightly horrified, like I think this is an American here, but I have to tell you, I do get stopped in airports sometimes and asked if I'm Liz Cheney. Um, so well, you could come back next week as Liz Cheney. I could. I yep, could. Your next week's next week's guest, Liz Cheney, will sound a lot like previous week's guest. <laughs> I don't know if I sound like her, but apparently oh. we have the same hair, the same hair and the same glasses, and we're both, you know, slightly old. Well, maybe one last, uh, I guess I would be remiss not to say, um, get your take, having just been at the Summit of the Americas and obviously being um, uh, in, in circles on both sides of the border, the, the President Biden, Prime Minister Trudeau relationship. You know, I think some on the outside seem, it seems maybe chillier than they might expect as as two, you know, people of similar, we'll say political persuasion, perhaps philosophically would be, you know, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't think it's chilly at all. The opposite. I think it's quite yeah. firm and cordial and 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 productive, believe it or not. I mean, people point to Canada not getting what it wants on energy infrastructure, and they're right. So Biden canceled Keystone XL, the big oil pipeline that we desperately really need now in light of Russia. Um, and he canceled that on the day he was inaugurated. People point to what's happening in Michigan with another pipeline. It's called Line 5. It goes through the Straits of Mackinac. And, you know, the governor there, an ally of President Biden, has is threatened to shut that down. So Canadians will point to those two things as an example and say, geez, uh, the relationship isn't that great at the top. The truth is, uh, it's really complicated when you want to think about climate change and environmental infrastructure and oil and gas and all that. That's a, that's a bigger and a different and very important conversation. But it's not a reflection on how the esteem with which the president and the prime minister currently hold each other. I think they are have a, a really good relationship. I think it was solidified um, even more so uh, in Los Angeles at the summit. I think they spent about an hour together one-on-one. Uh, president Biden is coming to Canada soon. There's going to be a North American Leaders Summit. So they've seen each other on the margins of these global meetings, G20, G7, all of that. Uh, but, but also the other thing that has helped is just remember, Joe Biden, President Biden, was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for many years. He cares a lot. He cares deeply about global issues. And so when Russia invaded Ukraine um, and started that god-awful war, which we're still in, that's something that Joe Biden, as an individual, as a leader, and as the president, uh, is very taken with. Any U.S. president would be, but Biden in particular, and what, and in particular, he thinks about our NATO allies. So Canada was important before, uh, but when you look at the global context, the fact that we're in things together, um, that we need to be each other's, you know, have each other's back on these global challenges is something that Biden really understands. And I think I think the Prime Minister of Canada, uh, you know, plays into that, you know, quite appropriately. Anything else final before we wrap up today, Gabe? No, I think uh, I think that's great. It's uh, appreciate all the uh, the insights and the advice. And you know, when I think about um, CBC and and I think about you, Scotty, right? I think about you know, is is you know we want the Canada U.S. relationship to be a model for the world. That's kind of the way I think. Is like let's show the world how two countries, right, who are similar but different, can 
can really show the way of how all countries behave, frankly. Uh, and I think, and, and, and again, you do that by focusing on the positives and driving forward the, those and not, you know, obsessing over the negatives and, and the subtleties. And I think that happens and there could be no better, you know, from my perspective, spokesperson for that than you. So, so please continue to do the great work that you do in, in kind of informing um, citizens, legislatures, you know, and, and everyone involved on, on the importance of the relationship. I think it's, uh, I do think it's important work. I'm, well, thank you, Gabe, and thank you, Steve, and 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 it's a joy to be with you. And I'll just I'll just leave your listeners with a few uh, a few little shout outs here. Uh, if if you want to get involved or stay in tune with what the Canadian American Business Council is doing, we have a Friday uh, newsletter. It's an email that I crank out every Friday afternoon, and you can sign up for it on our website, which is cabc.co. I don't know what happened to the M. We're not a .com, we're a .co. You're just official. Uh, there you go. Exactly. Thank you, Kyle McDonald, who created that for us 100 years ago. <laughs> um, we also have, you know, we're on all, all, not all the social media platforms. That would be an overstatement. But we're on, the, you know, we're not on TikTok or anything. Um, but but hit us up on LinkedIn or, or, or Instagram. We're, Gabe, today, as we record this, we are uploading some new wonderful content on Instagram. Awesome. So, uh, by the time this is produced and Steve gets it out the door, people should go check us out there. Um, or, you know, you're you're pretty active on on across various platforms, Twitter and everything else. So I would just invite people to stay connected with us. And and one last plug, if I could, um, and and if I can't, this will be edited out later. <laughs> um, but we uh, we have something called the North American Rebound campaign, and it's www.northamericanrebound.com. That one does have an M. Uh, and it is a way for regular people, businesses, families, policymakers to just say whatever the challenge is, Canada, United States, we're in it together. And thousands of people have signed up for it, uh, representing millions, businesses representing millions of workers on both sides of the border. So I would love for people to get involved in that too. It doesn't cost anything. And uh, it's, a, it's a way to um, to say you care about the Canada-U.S. relationship. And, you know, Mexico too, by the way. I don't want to forget our brothers and sisters south of the border, but that, that's a whole other podcast. So that's anyway, true. thank you. Thank you so much. It's really, uh, it's really a joy to be with you. Very nice to meet you today, Scotty, and uh, thank you for being with us and uh, and sharing your thoughts. That will be with that'll do it for this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed it. We invite you to subscribe so you'll be informed exactly when new episodes are available. Again, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next time.